0: Okay, what have been teaching on the past three weeks? Just like what? Just like Jesus. Who is just like Jesus in here? Oh, boy. How many fall short in being like Jesus? Yeah, you know, I spoke a few months ago, I spoke a series on uh, recovering hypocrite. How many remembers anything about recovering hypocrite? Wow. We're all hypocritical in some ways, and, and there are some things that we uh, learned about us, ourselves, and we're hypocritical. But today we're going to talk about being just like Jesus and the power of forgiveness. You know, a lot of people think about Jesus and what he taught and what he represented. He gave a lot of uh, instruction on forgiveness but we think, well, he was, he was deity. He was uh, the son of God. It was easy for him to say that because he knew he would live again. Let this sink in just a minute. He knew he would live again. We'll get into it a little bit more about how important it is, the power of your forgiveness. A lot of times we don't like to forgive. I know in my life there's been people that do things that, that I've forgiven them totally. I really have. But I always, I always have an awareness of, and let me tell you something, there's nothing wrong with you if, you if you forgive somebody, but you always have a little bit of awareness about what they've done in the back of your mind, and so you don't let it happen again. That is called wisdom. But you have, you have to have the ability to forgive. A lot of us go through a lot of things have been in a lot of places, experienced a lot of things. One of the hardest, most difficult things to do is Forgive. We have a tendency to want to get even, get revenge. This means get even. <clears throat> that's very emphatically. If you're if you're deaf or you know sign language, I want to get even. I want to get revenge of you, and it, that's a natural response. When uh, if you watch. My wife and I sometimes would we'll watch the funny home videos, and they have as a little kid, there'd be two little girls, especially, uh, little boys would never fight, but the two little girls would be on a bench, they'd be squatted down there, and one of them would look at the other one, and she'll, for no reason, she'll grab her and just throw her in the floor. Well, instantly, that one starts screaming and crying, and she gets back up and wants to bring the other one down. There's just something natural about us that we want to forgive, and maybe your whole life you've held resentment, you've held a lot of things up that should have been forgiven a long time ago, and this is the truth. Your life shows a reflection of that lack of forgiveness. I was sitting there thinking during worship and the preliminaries about, about forgiveness. It's not an easy subject. It's not an easy thing to do. But it is a necessary thing to do. Go to Matthew, if you will, in chapter thirty eight, chapter five, verse thirty-eight. This is not a, a, a real popular scripture to a younger people. A lot of times when they not want to respond to confrontation, but it's very important that you understand this. Let me going to give you a little history on this. During this time in, uh, in Jerusalem, they were under Roman rule. And the Romans had a policy. If somebody offended you, if somebody done something to cause you to uh, err in the way, or just cause you some trouble in some ways, it was their teaching and their belief that you responded, you retaliated, retaliated in a way, that you devastated them. You didn't do it to the equal of the same amount. You did it more so. Why? So they wouldn't want to do it again. There's something about retaliation within us, but there's something else that Jesus begins to teach. He didn't teach this because he, he could lord it over you to make you look weaker. He knew that by doing this, you would have freedom in your life. Honestly, you would have freedom in your life because everybody in here has people who have done us wrong. People have talked about us. People have said things. People, have, You know, today we have a thing called Facebook. Well, maybe some of you have Facebook. And people always throw the laundry out on Facebook. Everything that goes wrong, and, and they promote everything that they shouldn't on Facebook. What you don't understand is you are a reflection of your Facebook page. And things that you say shouldn't be said, either about yourself or about others. Shouldn't. I'm so glad I don't have it. I hear enough from people that do, chapter 5, verse 38, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell, you, don't stand up against, that, uh, I tell you, don't stand up against an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him also the other. If someone sues you in court to take your, to take your shirt, let him have your coat also. If someone forces you to go with him one mile, go with him Two miles. There's something about going the extra mile. It's not that you're a pushover, it's that you have a little wisdom and you can calculate the, the real value of what this situation is. When I was young, my brother and I had conflict quite a bit. He would uh he was a year older, so he would kind of I, I let him think he whip me anyway. And uh I just did. He probably could have, but anyway. Uh, but something my mom used to make us do, my dad wouldn't be home. We'd be in our little three- or four-year-old, five- or six-year-old, seven-eight-year-old, little tyrant of fighting, you know. And when we're done, my mom would say, okay, now both of us get and hug each other. How many of us had to do that? What was the purpose of doing that? To let you know that it wasn't near as bad as you thought it was. I remember my brother and I, my brother hardly ever showed any affection toward me or anything, unless he was making fun or he was, licking my face or something it was gross but but he never showed affection but boy when he showed affection then we had to hug each other he made it humorous then but it broke down a lot of walls that could have been built up from the childhood and many of us have things that happened in our life that we've got bitterness still built up because i guarantee you soon as i start talking about forgiveness instantly a wall went up in your life your thought about it, your, your process of how you think about it, you justify a lot of things in your life because you, you don't want to forgive. You don't have to forgive. You don't have to. They don't deserve your forgiveness, do they? Go to verse 43. You've heard it said that, You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those that hurt you. If you do this, you will be true children of your Father in heaven. How would that mean you're true children? You're, you're, you're absolutely born again. It's obvious that you're born again. If you pray for those who have hurt you, you pray for those that despitefully use you. You've got something under control in your life that most people don't have, the ability to forgive someone, to look at somebody a little differently. Anybody can be mad like anybody, everybody else. But take something special, and it's obvious in our lives that when we can forgive somebody, we can move ahead in our life. We can pray for those that despitefully use us. There's something pure about us. You may think that's not important, but it's very important, especially as you're around kids and you're around others. Because you indoctrinate the kids and those around you to respond the way the world does, and you will, re, you will be teaching, indoctrinating a child to lifelong lessons of heartache and troubles and conflict. A full pardon, canceling the debt, canceling their debt, and putting it to practice. See, when you do these things, you're able to cancel a debt. You're actually actually able to pardon a thing. You're in control of the situation. I don't care what somebody done to you in your past. I don't care what somebody done yesterday. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they look at you differently. They say things about you. They think they're better than you. It doesn't matter. When you're able to forgive them, you are in total control of how your situation is. But a person who never forgives is a person who never has control of their life. And you watch them, they're emotionally, they're a shipwreck train wreck, car wreck, because they always have a reason why that they respond that way. There's something that's powerful about this teaching of Christ giving the disciples. He was teaching them something new. It was new to everybody. It wasn't easy to embrace, but the value of embracing was going to make a lifelong lesson for them to have peace in their life. Not constantly looking over their, their shoulder and always sitting down at night and suing over all the bad things that happened that somebody had done to them in the past. Are they worth Are they worth the situation that you have in your life right now? Is the person worth you thinking about every day? Is it? Shoot, no, it ain't. We can be different in how how we respond to the comments and actions that they make. Retaliation, we don't have to forgive. We don't want to forgive. But I choose to forgive. People get caught up over little petty things. And I hear people say different things about things that people do to them. And some of them legitimately are, are aggravating, they're frustrating. But friend... If you can learn early to start forgiving and let go. If you can start early forgiving and let go, you won't have a lifetime of regrets and a lifetime of judgments. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12. He forgives us our sins just as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. Do not cause us to... And do not cause us to be tempted, but save us from the evil one. Yes, if you forgive others their sins, your father in heaven will forgive you your sins. There's something conditional about our life. We 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 don't want to be forgiven. I want to stop say something just a minute. Uh, Tyson showed me a text that Nick had sent him last night about Randy Berkman. How many knows Randy in here? Randy is. Uh, it had a rough life. It had a lot of things go wrong. And, and uh, he made a lot of decisions that, that showed how bad his life had been. When we were uh, years ago when he was young and he would go to church with us and, and we would go out and we'd get some Burger King or whatever, drive through or whatever it was. No, we didn't, we didn't do drive throughs back then. Uh, we would go and uh, there was something about Randy at a young age that there was a tender spot there. He may not have got to live in a lot of tender spots, but he had it in his heart. He's John 3.16. Because he's realized there's a lot of things in his life that's been chaotic. He can go through his whole life thinking about all my childhood, or all my dad wasn't around, or all my dad was this. But just I think he said January 6th, he'd given his heart to Jesus. Yeah. This is this is. This is a young man, he's, he's 32 years old, um, he probably never thought there was going to be any difference or change in his life, but it came because he asked for, it came because he asked, what did he ask for? He asked forgiveness. And not only did he ask for forgiveness, he came to a place of repentance. And when you come to a place of repentance, you also have to forgive yourself, And so Randy finally walked into a place of forgiveness. Heaven was sent, and within his own heart, he forgave himself. It's amazing to me. I think my wife and I was talking about last night. All in in Bloomfield, Missouri, all the people from Lathan to Tyson's age, all of you guys are in church here. So many of you, It came because somebody had forgiveness. You might have came here and your life was a wreck, your life was full of trouble, and your life was was chaotic. But something happened when you came here, something you, you you finally found for the first time. You found forgiveness. You found hope. And forgiveness always produces hope. When we don't or we think that we can't forgive people, we're tightening the handcuffs of hatred and shutting the door. And shutting the door and allowing resentment to build in your life. Every one of us are guilty of this sometime or something little. And, and maybe it's something big. Maybe it's something that happened to you when you were a little kid. You know, maybe it, uh, maybe it was. Maybe it's something, maybe your, your husband ran out on you, or your wife ran out on you and, and left you holding the bag. And I hear stories. That, but this is the thing. Don't think you're the only one that's ever went through those things. Because I know a lot of people in our church, they don't talk about it. They've been through a lot of things, a lot of troubles, a lot of heartaches, a lot of resentment, a lot of things they didn't understand. And they might ask God, why, God, why? But God said, if you want forgiveness in your life, you've you got to give it. you got to give it. Forgiveness breaks bonds. It breaks shackles off your life. And it'll make you, if you can forgive and you walk into a place of forgiveness, a person you used to couldn't stand, You'll be able to go up to them and give them a hug. You'll go up to Maybe you'll be maybe not a hug, a hand, a pound or something like that. There's something different about you. And you're also it changes everything that is in your life, a different outlook from then on. You begin to look for the positive things in people's lives. Forgiveness breaks bonds. Forgiveness is not an option that we're given. Forgiveness is required if we're going to have God forgive us. And I want to say this. I said this a minute ago. Forgiving somebody does not give them the right to redo it. Forgiving somebody doesn't give. Are you saying, oh, oh, they're forgiven. They're they're, they're innocent now. They're they're no longer accountable. That That is not the issue. There's a lot of things that happen in life that, Happened years ago that you think if I forgive them, they're totally free. You see, we like to keep, I'll talk to one of we like to keep little things because I would want you to be still mad at me. No, I'm saying this backwards. I would want to hold my bitterness toward you just so you know it. If I see you in some place, turn my head and walk away. I don't, let it be, I don't let it be known to anybody. I don't say a word. But if I see you in a store, I'll turn my head and walk away. I don't have nothing to do with you. I want her to know how mad and upset I am. Makes, Well, well okay, it's immaturity. But it happens to me all the time. From adults. If I see them in stores and I see them in places, I go up and talk to them. It doesn't matter. Um, Forgiveness is not always about the forgiven being innocent. innocent. And because you forgive them doesn't mean that they were. But we should have a proper way that we are are responding. It's not easy, but you will reap the benefits of being a forgiving person. The results are are, are enormous. Go to uh, Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter fifteen. Then Jesus, then Jesus said, "A man had two sons." Now, for those of you who don't know me very well, this is probably my favorite passage in all Scripture. Uh, I preach from it from probably probably two or three times a year. And it always has a a little different take on it. I don't know how it always does. At least it does to me. It speaks something volumes to me. A man had two sons, and the younger said, Father, give me my share of the property. So the father divided his property between his two sons. And the younger son gathered up all he had, all that was his, and he traveled to a faraway country. And there he wasted his money in foolish living. Verse 17. When he realized what he was doing, he thought, Of all my father's servants have plenty of food, but I am here, almost dying with hunger. I will leave and return to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against God and have done you wrong. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but let me be like one of your servants. So the son left and went on his way to his father. I want to stop here for just a second. Did the son understand what, when in the beginning, when he took all of his father's inheritance and they had given to him, it was his part, his portion of life itself? Did he see anything wrong with him taking off and doing what he was going to do? Not a bit. There wasn't one bit of remorse, there wasn't one, one bit of nothing. He just wanted his freedom and so he got it. What was the father thinking while he was gone? What was his father whose son had left him and took all this money and went and wasted it? What was his thoughts? Was he, every day, was he a little bit more bitter? Was he a little more bitter because of what his son had done to their name and to the family? The embarrassment that he caused and, and uh, the father and maybe the mother and, and just a whole, maybe, maybe their name had a lot of clout in the, in the community. What was going on in the father's life? While the son was uh, verse twenty, so the son left and went on his way to his father. And while the son was still away off, his father saw him and felt felt sorry for his son. So the father ran to him and hugged and kissed him. And the son said, "Father, I have sinned against God and have done wrong to you. I am no longer worthy to be your, called your son." But the father, there wasn't any hesitation. A lot of times we go to, somebody comes and asks you for forgiveness, and a lot of times we're hesitant, or we're hesitant to go to somebody. But listen, this father, if if anything we learn from this, we learn the power of forgiveness. Because this forgiveness done a lot of things in his home. It brought a lot of peace. It brought some direction. It brought understanding. But the father said to his servant, hurry, bring the best clothes and put on him. Also put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get our fat calf and kill it so we can celebrate and feast. My son was dead but is now alive again. He was lost but he now is found. And they began to celebrate. There's something unique about the power of forgiveness. Some people don't want your forgiveness. Maybe some people don't even need your forgiveness. But you need your forgiveness yourself. He forgave completely. What could have he done to keep his son there? Nothing. He let him go. You know, there's a statement that we used to say at Teen Challenge when I taught there, is simply allow rebellion to run its course. That is the greatest punishment for rebellion. Because rebellion is a hard thing to, to control. But you let it run its course, and eventually it came back. You can think of a lot of things that people have done to you, and you can get depressed. I sat here and started bringing up all the little touchy subjects and things that that we've been through in life. You've been betrayed. Your family wounds, a father didn't protect you, a mother didn't protect you. She let things happen. You've been stabbed in the back so many times. Maybe I don't know, and I guarantee I don't know all the times you've been stabbed in the back. Things that people have done to you. Broken relationships, broken promises, wounds that happen when you're just a little child. One of the things that my, my children will tell you when they were little Rule it up. Tyson might remember. I would say, oh, I'll, I'll try to promise. I'll try to, we'll do that. I promise you. I learned very quickly that promises were going to get broken if I kept saying that. So, most of the life, I never made a promise. Because I remember people's lives were built around broken promises, and I didn't want to do that. But you have a life full of broken promises. A dad's going to come back and see you, a dad's going to show up, a mom's going to come back, but they never did. A dad never did have all this resentment, and when you're little and you're growing up, you have a little more resentment, a little bit more, and a little bit more, and it begins to control you from a long distance, and you may not have even had any type of relationship with them, but you've allowed the thing that they said and the thing that they didn't do to control everything about your life. My whole life has been nothing but broken promises and disappointments. Because of somebody else. You've been ignored by Christians. In church, they ignore you. They send you on your way. They don't spend any time with you. Christians have talked about you. Let me tell you the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. A Christian doesn't mean you're you're perfect. It doesn't mean you do everything perfect. It doesn't mean that you think perfectly. It doesn't doesn't mean that everything in your life is working like it should. It's that you have an understanding who your maker is and who your divine guide is, and you try to please him and accommodate to him what he says and what his word says, but a person who's not that, don't have that accountability, and then they look at you because you're not fulfilling everything that you should. No Christian is Jesus. Jesus. But in our church, the reason we're doing a series on being just like Jesus is try to do a little better. If you've got awe awe against your brother or against against your sister and you've got constant conflict going on in your life, you need to get some things corrected as a Christian. Period. We can look all the, you don't understand, you don't know, you've never been there. It doesn't matter. We're without excuse as a Christian. If he is our Lord and he is our Savior and you accepted him, You've got to forgive. We'll get to this in just a second. You may have deep down hurts. You know, in our church, I know Sister Cooper has a lot of deep down hurts. She's been through a lot of things in her life. And I'm not bringing this up to rekindle any feelings or anything. But she had a a rough life growing up. She watched her mother pass away before her eyes. and, And just a lot of things, a lot of things, a lot of disappointments. A lot of things didn't go right, it wouldn't be right for anybody to go through what she's been through. But if at some point in her life if she didn't say, I'm going to make my mind up and I'm going to forgive. And I'm going to go on and live. Because if I can continue to live in the unforgiveness, it's going to eat my life up and I will be ate up with it. Go to Matthew chapter 18. This is a, a little bit of a sensitive subject because every one of us have hurts. Every one of us have people that we don't want to forgive. Every one of us have things that are just our thing to think about, our thing to dwell on. There was a time when disciples just come up to Jesus at different times and said, well, Jesus, what about this? I'm pretty good. What about this? And we have a perfect case here with, with Peter. He goes up to Jesus and he, in chapter 18 in verse 1. He says, at that time, the followers of Jesus asked, Sorry, wrong place. Eighteen, verse twenty-one. Peter asked Jesus. Then came Peter to Jesus and asked him, "Lord, my fellow brother sins against me. How many times must I forgive him? Shall I forgive him as many as seven times?" And I'll stop here for just a minute. I think there was some some old uh, Testament teaching that you forgive a brother three times. If they do something repeatedly, they do it once, they do it twice, and do it three times, that's how many times you forgive them. But when it goes to the fourth time, maybe a different circumstance or maybe a different response is, is entitled to you. But he went through Jesus and maybe he was just trying to sound spiritual or, or or liberal that day. And he said, Lord, or generous that day. And he said, Lord, should we forgive our brothers seven times? Seven times. How many of you ever forgiven somebody more than seven times? Really? You young people. Why have you ever forgiven me more than seven times? I guarantee she has. A whole bunch more. Let me tell you where it comes to our relationship. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, I don't tell you seven times, but 70 times seven. 70 times seven. You see, Peter, you think you're being pretty good by saying seven. But I'm sure he was really surprised, and he sat back on his heels a little bit when Jesus said, no, no, don't forgive seven. You forgive seven times 70. In other words, 490 times, doesn't matter. You'll always be willing to forgive. It should be a part of your nature, a part of your nature, not to trust the 490 times, but to forgive 490 times. Why would Peter ask him this? Why would Peter ask him, is seven times enough, Lord? Because he was probably having some struggles, just like some of us have problems with struggling with forgiveness. Take a marriage, you've been married to married somebody for 30 years, 40 years. Maybe some of you have hit 50 years. You think back all the times you had to forgive. And all you think about is the negative, if that's what you think. Mayors to be miserable. Jesus explained that seven times seven was 490 times, and it might be kind of a stream. but there is no exception in life of a believer to whom and how many times you forgive. No exception. Luke chapter twenty three, we're almost done, y'all. Luke twenty three, and verse thirty four. <clears throat> Jesus said, "Father, forgive them, because they do not know what they are doing." The soldiers threw a, threw a. The soldiers threw lots to decide who would get his clothes, and the people stood there watching. And the leaders made fun of Jesus, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he, is, if, he is God's, if he is God's chosen one, the Christ. The soldiers also made fun of him, coming to Jesus and offering him vinegar. And they said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And at the top of the cross were these words written, This is the king of the Jews. Even while they were crucifying Christ, While well, they were crucifying him. Even though he was standing there, he was hanging on the cross naked, exposed, humiliated. Even when they were gambling for his clothes, like, hey, who, who wants his clothes? And then began to cast lots on who would get his clothes. Who began to mock him, all those around, it was usually the soldiers, but a few others, even the one of the malefactors or the prisoner who was being crucified, began to mock him and say, if you are the Christ, you are the child, child child of God, then perform a miracle and deliver you and deliver, your, deliver us also. They even challenge his deity. One thing I want to really stress, and I didn't say this very emphatically, but Jesus said, Father, Forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And a lot of times, there's a lot of people doing done a lot of things to us because they're blinded by things in their life. Sin are just habits, things that they're, maybe their family had always done and never really experienced any real freedom. One more passage and we're, and we're closing. In John chapter 13 and verse 7. Let me read something to you before we go to John. This is from Max, one of the Max's books, and this is a proper fitting story that goes along with forgiveness. Recently, recently I shared a meal with some friends, a husband and a wife. They wanted to tell me a story about a storm that they were weathering. Through a series of events. She learned an act of infidelity that had occurred over a decade ago. He made the mistake of thinking to be better not to tell tell her. And so he didn't tell her. But she found out. And as you can imagine, even after 10 years, she was extremely bothered. Through the advice of The counselor, the couple dropped everything and went away for several days. listen, through the advice of a counselor, the couple dropped everything and they went away for a few days. A decision had to be made. Would they flee, flight, or forgive? So they prayed. They talked, they walked, they reflected. In this case, the wife was clearly in the right. She could have left. Women have done so for a lot lesser reasons or she could have stayed made his life a living hell. Other women have done that too, but she chose a different response. On the 10th night of their trip, my friend found a card on his pillow, it said, on the card was printed a verse, I'd rather do nothing with you than something without you. Beneath the verse, she had written these words, I forgive you, I love you, let's move on. The card might as well have been a basin and the pen might as well have been a pitcher of water, for out of it poured mercy. And it was with those, with those words that Jesus washed their feet. John chapter 13, verse 7. And Jesus answered, we'll read verse 6. Jesus came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered, you do not understand now what I'm doing. But you will understand later. The whole message has been about forgiveness. You don't understand it right now. It doesn't make any sense to you. They don't deserve your forgiveness. Nobody does. We don't deserve God's forgiveness. Maybe, maybe you have a, a mixed up family and, and there's a lot of disappointment lying all over your life, and, and, you, and you can live with that and make excuses and think why your life is so unfair and not forgive anyone and hold them all accountable. But what is going to be the end result? Nothing. You don't understand what you do now, why you do it. I didn't understand the forgiveness I had to give out when I was a little kid. And forgiveness when I got a little older and I got into my teens and got into my 20s, and I had to forgive the guy who actually murdered my father. I had to forgive a lot of things. I didn't understand it then, but listen to me. I understand it now. I understand it now. There's a lot of things we can't fix. There's a lot of things we can. Jesus washing their feet was a was symbolic of forgiving them I mean, before the, Peter denied, before Judas betrayed him. He already had made up in his mind he was going to forgive. I'm telling you in your heart, in your mind, in your life, you've gotta you gotta make a decision this morning. You're gonna forgive, or you're gonna keep the miserable life that you have. Always looking back and always blaming somebody. What about it? It's coming to you right now, and this is your decision to make. You forgive, or do you flee? You fly? Or do you forgive? We're going to have prayer because whether you're a believer or not, there's issues of unforgiveness throughout the sanctuary. If you search deep in your soul, you'll realize you need to forgive. That there is life after forgiveness. can have a lot more peace about some things, have a lot better relationship with your wife or with your husband, with your kids, with your parents, with your friends, with those that you work with. If you keep the unforgiveness within your heart and within your life, it's going to follow you the rest of your life.